This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. It's an instant reaction edition, and I got to start off by being very, very honest, and I I felt very guilty as I was driving home today because on our midday show, Beningo and I back together again, we were obviously talking about how David Wright was going to have a press conference today, and they were going to discuss the future of David. And... Francesa had tweeted he's going to be activated over the weekend. And so, sure, the idea that this could be it for David crossed my mind, but I've just been under the impression that he's going to try to come back, as he's tried to do the last two years. He'll play on this last homestand, and he's going to try again next year. And as I listened to David and Jeff Wilpon speak, I started to think back over the last two years how, as a Met fan, in talking about David Wright and his possibility of returning, I have been very cold about it. You know, I've called it adult fantasy camp, that that's what he's attempted to do. And as I heard David talk and make it very, very obvious, without using the word retirement, because I think for financial purposes they cannot, so he can collect the remainder of his contract, and God bless him for that. As I heard him talk, as I heard him tear up, as I heard him talk about his family and how hard he's worked and what the fans mean to him, It got to me, too. I mean, I was starting to tear up on the ride home, and I felt very bad about the way I've looked at David the last couple of years. So I want to start off by saying that, because that's honestly how I feel now. And maybe it's oddly denial that I've had as a fan over the last couple of years, not really thinking about everything that David had done here for this franchise, and more looking at it very coldly about, well, okay, I know what he's done, but what is he going to do? You know, what's he going to do in 2018? What's he going to do in 2019? And as we obviously know, the Mets have sucked this year. I'm not that hopeful about the future, despite how good the starting pitching has been. And I think to me, I can only speak for myself as a fan, I think I've looked at David in that prism, the prism of what's he doing for me now? And Jeff Wilpon opened up this press conference today, if you heard it. And I heard it via the PlayStation View on my ride home. I popped up SNY. I was not watching for my wife who's listening. I was not watching while I was driving. I was simply listening. That was the only place I could get the audio, but that's a different story. And Jeff, who does own the team, he can do what he wants, is very clunky with what he was saying. I Honestly, I really didn't know what he was saying. He's reading from these note cards, and he's talking about how difficult of a day this is, but David Wright's being activated. I was, I gotta tell you, I was very confused. I don't know what the hell was going on. All it did was remind me that I'm very unlucky that Jeff Wilpon owns my Met team. That's how I felt. Like, I, I feel unfortunate as a fan that he's the owner. And David started talking, and within 30 seconds, I knew what was going on. You just knew it. You could hear it in his voice, and you could hear it in the pain that he had. And I don't know if it's that I'm a sucker for a grown man crying, but it really got to me. 
I think I teared up a little bit when he was tearing up himself about I'm going to tear up now. See, I got to be careful. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that right now. But when he was talking about how he wanted his daughters to see him play one last time, or they've never seen him play. So he really wanted to get back so his daughters could watch him play baseball. That got to me. And it obviously was, he was spelling it out, that he's done. And that he's going to come back. He's going to play this one game. Uh, The Mets are going to be thrilled because they're going to sell a ton of tickets. I've already seen the secondary market. It's through the roof. I'd have to point that out. I mean, listen, I'd be naive if I don't mention that. Not that that benefits David, but it certainly benefits the Mets. The Mets all of a sudden, for one night, become a hot hot ticket. They become a hot thing. But that he is going to play that one last game, and that's going to be it. And a lot of emotions and thoughts have popped in my head because even though they're not using the word retirement, it is what it is. What's the phrase? If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. David's retiring. He's done. And my first thought was his debut. My first thought was back in 2003. No, he didn't debut in 2003. He debuted in 2004. But back in 2003, I always loved to give my dad updates on minor leaguers, and we would adopt a minor leaguer. I remember when I adopted Jason Hockamy. Anybody remember Jason Hockamy? Except I didn't call him Jason Hockamy. I called him Jason Jacob because I had no idea it was pronounced Hockamy. (laughs) J-A-C-O-M-E, whatever it was. So as a kid, I would always adopt the minor leaguer. And this was, you know, before I was Googling it or on the Internet. You know, you get your baseball weekly or whatever newspaper. And you check the stats of that minor leaguer. And I'd always dream that they would finally call somebody up. He'd come up. He'd be a star. And he'd be my guy. And he'd be on the team for the next 15 years. Because I knew Met history, even though I wasn't around in the 60s and the 70s. And I was coming of age, really, in the 90s. So the 80s didn't do it for me either. I wanted that guy who I could see come up to the major leagues. I could watch his entire career. I could watch him retire. And I'd go to Cooperstown and watch him get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was one of that. And I loved, you know, watching Edgardo Alfonso come up. Fonzie was my guy. I loved watching Rico Bronya come up. I know Rico wasn't drafted by the Mets, but his debut, he had that road trip where nobody could get him out. He was great. He, he cost David Siggy the first base job. And I loved Fonzie, and Fonzie was a part of some good teams, and the Mets had to make a difficult decision when they let him go as a free agent. It turned out to be the right one uh, because he had back issues and he was never the same. And so going back to 2003, my latest project was this David Wright. That was the guy. And... And I could be wrong about this because, again, it's 2003. So I don't remember what the hype was, but I never felt there was that much hype for him. But he always had these big numbers. And I would say to my dad, this David Wright guy, man, he's he's on fire. And 2004 comes around, and obviously, how could the Mets call up David Wright? They have Ty Wigginton, you know? (laughs) How could they call up David Wright? They've got Ty Wigginton. So they finally call up this David Wright, who I had heard of for the last year and a half. He's my, uh, you know, he's my project, and I was there for his debut because in that time, late July of 2004, I was in the process of moving back to New York. For a few years, I'd lived down in Maryland, and I moved back to New York in the summer of 2004, and I made it my business. I said to my dad, we got to see David Wright's debut. I've been watching, you know, reading about this guy. I got to watch him, and it was against the Expos. I remember that. And he didn't do anything that day, which is a great sign, by the way. I I always think that. If the guy comes up and goes four for four, that's a terrible sign. 
You want him to do nothing. But his next game, which I was also at, he had a couple of hits that day. I remember that. I don't remember when his first home run was. I assume his first home run, and I could look it up, I could cheat right now, had to have been on the road. Because I feel if it was at home, I would have remembered it. But as soon as David came up, you knew it. He was good. Yeah, you just knew this this is a baseball player. We got something with this guy. Joe always says, we may have something with this guy. No, no, we had something with this guy. And what was appealing about David, even if it was BS or not, is, hey, he's from Virginia. He grew up a Norfolk Tides fan. So he's a Met fan and always a giant fan. Like, he felt like an honorary New Yorker right away. And you, you knew they'd figure something out with Ty Wigginton. Don't worry about Ty. They'll figure it out. And in 2005, that was it. He was off and running. And he became our guy. And I think that what us as Met fans were dreaming about was that he was Jeter. That's what we wanted. We wanted him to be our Derek Jeter. As jealous as we were to the Yankees about Jeter, as much as maybe as Met fans we didn't like Derek Jeter, we wanted him to be Derek Jeter. And it really felt like he was. And I don't mean to to be a jerk when I say this towards Jeter. Jeter's one of the greatest players of all time. When... David Wright, in his first full season, is driving at 100 runs and is hitting 27 home runs and is hitting 300. I'm thinking to myself, he's better than Jeter. He'll be Jeter and he'll put up better numbers. Now we just got to win for him. And he became our guy. And he was never my favorite player because I've always had a tough time having a favorite player. I've only had a few in the history of the Mets. And Maybe it's because so right away David become every, it became everybody else's favorite player. Maybe that was it. But he was our guy. Him and Reyes were going to be the core to see this team not only win a championship, but those two guys were going to win awards, and they were going to go in the Hall of Fame together. And, you know, once somebody becomes a part of your team and becomes a part of your family, now you start to get very hard on them. And I, I remember always being hard on David Wright. And maybe it's because the bar was so high. But when the Mets didn't perform in the 2006 National League Championship Series and didn't win that Game 7, you know, you looked back and said, what went wrong? And I would cite all the time, David Wright hit 160 in that series. He didn't do anything in that series. Though I think he drove in one of the runs, or maybe the only runs, in that Game 7. And after that 2006 run ended... It was this hope that, well, they'll get back. He'll have other opportunities. He'll get those big hits, and he'll win championships. And that franchise, that run that was supposed to last a long time went freaking nowhere. And I blamed a lot on David Wright and Reyes, for that matter, for those collapses in 7 and 8 because if you look at what those guys did down the stretch, they didn't hit. The, the guy who hit the most... I'm telling you, the guy who hit the most during those two collapses was Carlos Beltran. But he would never get credit for it because Carlos Beltran's also the guy that, yeah, he struck out looking. You know, that's the whole thing. He struck out looking to end the NLCS, so he can't be clutch. But I and David's numbers weren't even bad down the stretch. I think in September it was that. Where were the clutch hits? I guess that's how I felt about it. Because if you look back at what David Wright did during those September collapses, the numbers weren't bad. The numbers were actually very good. But I remember there was one game against the Cubs in which the Mets actually won it. And David Wright was up. It must have been three, four, five days left in the season. 
I'm trying to think of which year it was. It was the year the Cubs were very good because I think they had everything wrapped up. And David was up with a runner on runner. There was a runner on third, less than two outs. And the Mets needed to break the tie. And he struck out on a pitch out of the zone. And then Beltron was the next hitter. And Beltron got the big hit. Now, I remember that night at Shea saying, you see, Beltron bails him out, not David Wright. And my dad was tough on Dave. My dad would always say, uh, David Wright never gets the big hit. Which is not really a true statement. It's just that you become hard on the guys that are your best. On the guys that are yours. You know, remember, he's supposed to be Derek Jeter. So I know I was very hard on him. I know my dad was very hard on him. And for a while it felt as if, well, they're never going to win anything with this guy. And honestly, they, they never did win anything with this guy. We all know the, the answer. They haven't won a championship since 1986. Not that it was David Wright's fault or not. But at the minimum, after the collapses of 7 and 8, and after the team started to go down, you at least thought, well, David Wright is 26 years old going into the 2009 season, or 25 years old going into the 2009 season. David Wright at least is going to put together this Hall of Fame career because if you look at the first five years of his career, he is setting the bar to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, you were talking about third baseman who hits 300 every year, hits 30 home runs, drives in 100 runs. In 2008, here are his numbers. 302, 390 on base. 33 home runs, 124 RBIs. And if you would have told me at 25 years old in 2008, that will be the most home runs David Wright will ever hit. He'll never hit nearly as many. The 124 RBIs will be the most RBIs he ever gets. He'll never come close to that. And he'll only have, you know, a couple of 300 seasons left. I'd say you're nuts. What are you talking about? And that's the other part of David Wright's career, the what could have been. And he was asked about that when they asked him, do you, you know, think about the years that you lost to injury? And he lost a lot to injury, but it really even started before that. It started before 2015, 2014. It felt like it started when Matt Cain hit him in the head. It really felt like when Matt Cain, and that was 2009, right? That was 2009. When he hits him with that fastball in the head, He's out for a while, and it never felt as if he was the same guy ever again. Because for your last really great year to be at age 27, it doesn't make sense. You're supposed to have more than that. And I thought he was going to have more than that. In 2011, he was very, very mediocre. In 2012, he had a really solid year. In 2013, he missed a bunch of time, but when he played, he was very good. In 2014, he was eh. I mean, he was really eh. I mean, 31 years old shouldn't be the end. And then we know about 15, where he barely played, and 16 to the rehabs of now. I remember the game-winning hit he had against Mariano Rivera, but that's not my best David Wright memory. Now, my wife is with me as I'm doing this. She's sitting and she's listening. And she's going to remember this because one of the fondest moments I have about David Wright is a rare time in which me and my wife had a fight. I'm looking at her right now. And I don't know if you remember this, but it means it, it, it's very vivid in my memory when David came back in 2015 in Philadelphia and he hit that home run. On his way back, he hits that home run. I'll never forget it because... I was so interested in David Wright coming back 
And my wife was interested in something else at the time, and she wanted me to help out more, and that was with our wedding. Come on, you know you remember this. And she was very upset. Rightfully so, by the way. I mean, I get it. You know, I, I, I should help out more with the plans for our wedding, but David Wright was coming back. David Wright was making his return, and he had that, you know, kind of storybook return. It was his first game since April. He comes back. I even pulled up the exact date. And you know that my wife is right for feeling this way when I give you the date. August 24th. Yeah, because it's less than a week before our wedding. <laughs> so, of course, we had some last-second things to figure out. And he came back that day. That was his return. And remember, the Mets have already gone on their run to take control of the National League East. At that point, we know, hey, this season's going somewhere. The only thing missing was David Wright. David Wright wasn't a part of that. Because David Wright was hurt since the middle of April, really early April, we hadn't seen him. And so the Mets were going on that whole run, Wilmer Flores crying, trading for Cespedes, to doing all that without David. And I think all of us thought at the time, boy, wouldn't it be great if the Mets could get David Wright back? And he came back that night against the Phillies, and I remember it for two reasons. My wife was very upset with me, and David Wright hit this dramatic, I can't believe he just did that home run. He came back, and he hit a freaking home run. And then a few weeks later in D.C., the big, you know, arm windmill, arm fist. I don't know if I even described that right. Any Met fan knows what I'm talking about. When he, you know, the, the, he slid home as the Mets were sweeping the Washington Nationals. And though I don't think it was the last game of the sweep, I think it may have been game one because it was probably Labor Day that Monday afternoon. Whatever day it was, you know, that image of David Wright sliding home and pumping his fist and whipping it through the air all that kind of stuff. That's my other memory of 15 as, hey, David Wright's going to be a part of the mix. He's going to be a part of this postseason run, which I did not think was going to go as far as it went. I really didn't think that. And then the other image from that postseason is the hit he got in game one against the Dodgers, the, you know, put the game away base hit. You know, the Mets are battling the Dodgers. I think at the time it was still a, a relatively close game. They got Kershaw out of the game. And he got that big hit to break the game open, and they won 3-1. to one. That was the other moment that you think of. The Mets had the lead at the time, I think, when David got that hit. I'm trying to remember back to the exact situation. But it was a base hit against Pedro Baez because they, for some reason, took Clayton Kershaw out of the game. And David had that big postseason moment. He hits a home run in the World Series, which is very cool to see. And it just... It still sucks that they didn't win that series. And I know we'll be able to celebrate 2015 more so than 2000. 2000 is a pennant I don't like to celebrate because, look, they lost the World Series to the Yankees. What am I celebrating? Now, I get it. In 2015, they lost to the Kansas City Royals, and it's probably going to be that World Series that got away, especially if the Mets never get back there. We're going to think about that World Series and talk about missed opportunities. But I can at least probably be able to celebrate it more so than I would be able to celebrate what happened against the Yankees. And at least when David hit his World Series home run, he did it in the game they won. I mean, because honestly, if David's World Series home run was in you know, game five when they lost in the losing effort, I probably wouldn't be as poetic about it. It wouldn't feel as good, that's for sure. But I'm glad he was a part of that run in 15, and it's a shame he wasn't a part of the 
mini run, if you want to call it that, in 2016. Because in 2016, the last we really ever saw of David, he started the season, he was really, really bad. Uh, the one positive I remember is he was getting on base a lot, but he was not hitting at all, and he had to shut it down very early into the season, and we haven't seen him since. And it's been a very, very long time. Unfortunately, with David, it's going to be symbolic of a lot of things in Met history. It was really good, but it could have been better, and it should have been better. He had a really good career, and he spent it entirely with the Mets, but he wasn't able to win a championship, and it could have been more. There is no date in Cooperstown. There is no date I'm planning on going to Cooperstown to watch the induction of David Wright. That's not happening, and it could have happened. And it sucks that it didn't, and it's not his fault necessarily because health had a lot to do with it, but you go back to 2010. If you would have called us up in 2010 after that season ended, David Wright's now been in the All-Star game five straight years, you know, Hey, is David Wright going to get to the Hall of Fame? I would have said he's on his way. That's what I would have said. And unfortunately, health, a Matt Cain fastball, a lot of things got in the way, and that's not how his career is going to end. And his career is going to end with a game at City Field, which I, I don't really know what to think about because I'm going to go, I'm going to watch, I'm going to see him, but... You know, life in sports isn't always a storybook. Derek Jeter had that storybook ending, and why wouldn't? He's Derek Jeter. He's the prince of New York, right? Everything seemed to work out with Derek Jeter. His whole career, his whole freaking career is one giant fairy tale that Hollywood would reject. I don't know if David Wright's coming back on a Saturday night to close out his career and he's going to get three hits. I don't know if he's going to make a diving play. I mean, what if there's a ground ball to third base? And, and I love David. He had a terrible arm. He never had a great arm at third base. He's got less of an arm now. And he made a joke during his post-game, uh, post-game during his you know, press conference that he had, whatever you want to call it, how he said to Jake, he said to DeGrom, I, I hope you're not pitching that day, which is very funny in that you don't want David Wright costing Jacob DeGrom, you know, some big out in a big spot and hurts his chances at winning the Cy Young. But David Wright's last image, I hope, is not something awful. Now, I'll admit, even if David Wright has this awful day, goes over 4 with three strikeouts, makes an error, I'm not going to remember him by this game. I'm not. I'm going to remember him by, honestly, I told you, I'm going to remember him by the home run he hit against the Phillies that night in August of 15, I'm going to remember the hand motion he made when he scored a run in Washington. I'll remember the home run he hit against the Royals. It's funny how most of my memories are going to be 2015, more than it is even the earlier run. I guess there just were more defining moments, for me at least as a fan, than there were earlier on, even though he was a much better player during that period of time, 05, 06, 07, 08, and whatnot. But even though I'm not going to remember him that way, I don't want to see Willie Mays falling down in the outfield. I never saw that. Obviously, it was before my time, but I've heard plenty about it. I don't want to see that. But, hey, he deserves a proper ending. It certainly helps the organization that this isn't going to go on any longer with him trying to get back to spring training. And I even said on the air he's going to have to learn different positions. You've got to be useful. Hey, if you're going to be on a team that I hope wins, there's got to be a reason you're there, not just sentimentality. And obviously that's not going to happen. And it will bring closure to this era in Met history. It's just, 
it continues and reinforces something I've always said. We get good things, but we're not allowed to keep good things. Whether it was 2006, best team in the National League, flame out in the NLCS, losing a brutal game seven, and then collapse in 07, collapse in 08, and that run is dead. To the miraculous run of 2015, where, hey, they got this great young pitching staff. Don't worry, they'll be back. And they're sort of back in 16, playing a one-game playoff. And now, again, the last two years have been a disaster. David Wright, we finally have our Derek Cheater, and it doesn't last. And it's funny how you look through all the great players in Met history who had a chance to be that guy, and something got in the way, whether self-inflicted or not. With Tom Seaver, it was the issues between him and management and the decision to trade him to the Cincinnati Reds to even not keeping him when they brought him back and they allow him to be drafted in that free agent draft by the Chicago White Sox to letting Darryl Strawberry walk as a free agent because his life could have been different if he stayed with the Mets instead of going home to L.A., which was not a good spot to him, to the self-inflicted of Doc Gooden, who did it to himself. To this now with David Wright, where it wasn't self-inflicted, it was bad luck. And it was unfortunate. And maybe someday, and you know what? This is a part of why there's a lot of people who don't get it about Jacob DeGrom. But I think most of you listening get it because you're Met fans. This isn't just a great young pitcher that you trade because you can get other parts. It's because we haven't had this. We haven't had a guy who can spend his whole freaking career with one team and then walk his way into Cooperstown. I'm not putting Jacob DeGrom in Cooperstown quite yet, but I am saying I want this guy on my baseball team for the next 10 years. With Daryl Strawberry, Frank Cashin, and Met ownership, blanked it up. With Tom Seaver, they blanked it up. With Doc Gooden, it was self-inflicted. With David Wright, it was bad luck. With Jacob DeGrom... I'll say this very nicely, don't F it up. Because as we say goodbye to David Wright, it is a reminder that we still haven't had that. The guy you read about before they're called up, the guy you watch get called up, the, wa- the guy you watch develop, the guy you watch become a freaking star, the guy you lock up to a contract extension, the guy you even watch get old and become human to the guy that years after he retires, we're all going up to upstate New York to watch him get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I'm not telling you that's definitely going to be Jacob DeGrom. It could be. I thought it was going to be with David Wright. But that is still something we're missing as Met fans. But hey, if you're a Jet fan, you may have it right now with Sam Darnold. I know. Getting too excited early. But in closing, I want to say that I do feel very, very bad about kind of the way I looked at this the last year. I looked at it very coldly. I looked at it matter-of-factly. I looked at it as a bitter, bitter Met fan, and I didn't look at it the way I should have, which is David Wright was a really good Met, and it sucks that he wasn't able to have the career that he deserved in many, many ways. Uh, So while I'm unsure about what's going to happen in his final game, I'm happy for him personally. I'm happy for his daughters. I'm happy for his wife. And I believe someday, and maybe it'll actually happen Saturday, I don't know what the Mets have up their sleeves, 
But I do actually believe that despite him not being a Hall of Famer, his number should be on the wall at City Field. This has been a, an emotional edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Uh, the next edition you'll hear, and I've kind of wrestled with this. Ever since I started this podcast, every wrestling pay-per-view we've had, I've given an instant reaction to. And it's been a lot of fun, you know, 1130 at night. My wife's asleep. I'm like, baby, I got to go talk about backlash for a half hour. This is going to be a challenge because this Sunday night, the WWE has a pay-per-view, but along with that pay-per-view, the Giants are playing the Cowboys. So I've thought about this. Like, can I really do a, an instant reaction podcast? So I want to let you know what I've decided, and hopefully you'll take a listen. I've decided that I'm going to watch Giants-Cowboys with the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view on one of the TVs I have, and so I'll watch it very casually, and with that little information, I will still do an instant reaction podcast, which means that most of my instant reaction podcast will probably be about the Giant Cowboy game, even though it's technically about Hell in the Cell. So I hope you tune in. I hope you've enjoyed some of the other podcasts we've done, including my latest before this one, which was the Private Parts Howard Stern movie edition. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback about that, including... The one I'm most proud of, feedback from Baba Booey himself. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you listening and checking it out. And, of course, you can listen to Joe and I. That's right. I said it. Joe and I. Or me and Joe. Wait, what's the Joe and Evan? Evan and Joe. Whatever. Whatever the grammar is, you can listen to us Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.